0: Father, thank you. Thank you for drawing us tonight. Father, thank you for your presence, for your provision. Uh, Father, for your blessings and mercy, which are new every day. Lord, uh, help us to hear you tonight. Help us to see you. Uh, Help us to draw to you. Father, show us that even as Israel a fledgling nation who who, who doesn't even have a country, a land, uh, they would come before you and then become stubborn and become complacent. And Father, we who are called by your name have so much more, and yet we follow that pattern. We become complacent. Uh, help us, Lord. Help us to learn from the precious Jews ahead of us. And uh, I praise you for this time in uh, your name. Amen. Chapter 35 um, has to deal with the presence of God. We looked at this last week and we saw that when Moses was sent back down from Mount Sinai, uh, God said, these people have turned from me. And we see that Moses interceded on behalf of the people and that the people returned. They repented uh, of their sin. But they had done something that Moses was aware of they were not aware of. No Moses understood the ramifications of it, whereas the nation did not quite get the ramifications. Uh, and, and I think that sometimes we... Uh, in the church, we settle for um do we settle for the perfect or do we settle for okay the good, even maybe the best, but do we settle for the perfect and um what you see is that Israel settled for okay this is this is good. And the issue that we see that happened is the presence of God was no longer with the country. Now, don't get me wrong. He said, I will send an angel and the angel will lead you by the day and will protect you by the night. And there's nothing wrong with having an angel take care of you okay uh one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians uh you have uh, numerous angels at the beckoning of the children of god um, but we have something That is was missing to the nation of Israel from this point on, and that was the presence of God. And I can show you over and over again in the history of Israel where there was times when the presence of God was gone, and they didn't know it. Okay. Uh, When I hear uh, when when you think about Samson, it was funny. I I watched. a Samson movie a couple of weeks ago. And I wish I could remember the name of the actor. Hedy Lamar played Delilah. Okay, so it was a little older movie. Uh, and I wish I could remember the name of the actor who played Samson. But they did it. it and it was Cecil, what's his name? Mills, D. Mills or whatever. Uh, and and I mean, but they did the same thing that the Philistines are upon you and you can't defend yourself because you got a haircut. All right. Uh, and um, that's not true. The reason that Samson fell to the Philistines is that judges tells us that the Holy Spirit had left him. The tragedy with the Samson story is the Holy Spirit had left him and he didn't know it, okay uh, there is uh, several texts that I can show you where the holy the God left the temple uh, because of their idolatry, and Israel didn't know it. and um, that is one of the things. One of the tragedies, one of the greatest horrors that exist is this: one of the greatest torments of the place of Gehenna, that would be hell. The greatest torments is the lack of the presence of God. Okay, See, when God's presence are gone, purpose is gone. When God's presence is gone, beauty is gone. It's all gone when God is gone. All right, so that is one of the things that we we don't pay attention to. No, I'm not saying that Israel was in hell. They may think so, wandering around the desert for 40 years camping. Um, But it wasn't eternal. And that's the kind of stuff that you and I have to pay attention to. Uh, And I see many Christians who are cruising along out of the presence of God. You know what I mean? Uh, They're not in church. God's presence is manifested in the church. All right? You gather a whole gathering of individuals from all kinds of backgrounds and age groups and places in society and education, and you throw them all together, and the manifestation of God is seen. Well, what had happened, they had stiffened their neck, and had turned their back. They had worshiped the golden calf um, that, that had Aaron build, and um, God was not pleased. Okay, so he has come back. Moses has come down the mountain and has spoken to this people, but yet again, and they have repented. And it does seem um, legitimate. They have given gold to go to the building of the tabernacle and all the things that God has asked for, uh, and, and and they they have drawn back. God has called Moses back up the mountain, and he says, cut me two tablets of stone, Moses, and I will put what I have given you on the shattered tablets. I'll put them back on the new tablets, and um, and, and it'll be fine. And so Moses has done that. But this text is showing the presence of God again, but it also falls into the fifth point, which is the building of the tabernacle. Now, you need to understand something. I want you to think about this. Moses has gone up on Mount Sinai, okay? And he's been given some instruction before he went up. First of all, no animals. Any animals touch the foot of this mountain, put it to death. Second thing, any body coming up this mountain must be consecrated unto me. Okay? Now the people are freaking out. Why? Well, you got this huge black cloud. Think of the world's largest thundercloud setting on top of a mountain that you're setting at the bottom of and there's lightning and there's flashing and there's this thunder and the ground is shaking and all of a sudden the cloud starts talking audibly that you can hear it okay now Moses cruises up this mountain up the mountain and he's got Joshua with him a few other people not very many because the people of Israel said hey If we wander up there, we will surely die. So Moses, I love the bravery of the nation. Moses, go up, get the instruction, and we'll do whatever the instruction says. Sounds good, doesn't it? But Moses is up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And so you can tell that there was an American influence on these people because their attention span is gone. That's when they conclude, hey, let's give a bunch of gold, build a golden cap, we'll worship it, it'll be our God and it'll lead us. All Right, well... Moses comes back down. He's got a little bit of an attitude. God keeps telling Moses that they are his people. Moses keeps saying, but they are your people. I mean, that's, that's you've got a whole nation of people nobody wants um, versus a nation who doesn't want this people. But anyway, uh, so you, you've got all of this happening. He grinds up the golden calf, puts it in all the water, the dust of the golden calf, makes everybody drink it because everybody is responsible. And so now the people are all bummed out. All right, Moses is back. And Moses got this glowing thing on, going on, that just is just a freaking him out. You just, oh, my God, he's glowing in the dark and why he's been in the presence of God. We thought maybe he got consumed and who was going to lead us. I mean, it was you, Moses, who brought us out, right? And Moses keeps telling him, have you not heard what the Lord says? The Lord says, no. The Lord brought you out. I, had, I didn't know anything to do with it. God brought us that. We've seen the plagues and God brought on the plagues. We don't have to worry about that. God brought us. God parted the Red Sea. So, so it's, all, it's all come together. Whatever you ask, Moses, we'll do. All right? Verse 1, chapter 35. Moses assembled all the congregation of the sons of Israel and said to them, These are the things Yahweh has commanded you to do. Okay? he's going to go right back through. He's going to reiterate the stuff that he's already heard once, he's already done once. Verses 1 through 3. Six days' work may be done, and on the seventh day, you are to have a a holy day, a Sabbath, a complete rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it, what? Be put to death. You see what I'm trying to get at here? You need to set, he says, Israel, you need to set one day aside in full remembrance of me. Why? Or I'll put you to death. Seems harsh, doesn't it? It was just overtime. Trying to provide for my family. Really. God said, I'll provide. All right? Six days' work may be done. Seventh day shall be a holy day, a Sabbath day of complete rest to Yahweh. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall not kindle a fire, any of your in any of your dwellings, on a Sabbath day. Now that was added from the original in twenty verse eight, okay, chapter twenty verse eight. Why he's wanting to show you to what degree you're not going to do anything to the degree you don't even kindle a fire. You know what that means? Well, you'll freeze. No, you keep the fire going from the night before. All right? Moses spoke all the congregation of sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which Yahweh has commanded, saying, Take from among you contributions to Yahweh, whoever is of willing heart, let him bring it as a... Yahweh's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, purple, blue, scarlet material, fine linen and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, Oil for lighting and the spices for the anointing oil and fragrant incense and the onyx stones and setting stones for the ephah, for the breastplate. All right, now what is he doing now? He's going back and he's reiterating what was given. See, most of the time when we think about Moses up on Mount Sinai, our first thing is, is Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. That he did get... But he got all of the instructions for the assembling of the tabernacle, the utensils in the tabernacle, the furniture in the tabernacle, even the structure of the tabernacle was all given at the same time. All right, so that's why Moses is a slow writer. No, s- slow learner. It took him forty days and forty nights. That's not true, but it took forty days and forty nights because he says, "Now you need to prepare yourself." I mean, the oil, anointing oil. How you consecrate a priest. How you consecrate those who will build and work on the tabernacle. How you will consecrate those who will come into the presence of the Lord. How you will bring in your offering and what your offering will look like. What does the, the the acacia poles look like that hold the showbread table, that holds the Ark of the Covenant, which holds the, um, the all the furniture that you, you can't touch, the bronzen um, altar and, and all the rest of it. It's all there. It's all that instruction was given. And now he's reiterating. He even gave you what, what does the priest look like when he comes into the present with the breastplate, with the 12 tribes, and what does it, the tunic look like? and what does the turban on his head look like and how do you anoint his ear and his feet and his hands and how to wash, all of that's been given. So when you think about the law given, you need to understand what does that imply and that implies all that has to do with the worship of God. All of it. And it's detailed. All right, now he's come back down the mountain after getting all this, see the people worshiping the golden calf. He throws his tablets to the ground and they shatter. All right, the nation had broke the law of God and him breaking him on the ground showed it. Now he's gone back up, and Yahweh has told him, this is what we will do. And then here, verse 10, he brings back to mind uh, that these two artisans, um, that, that, that God has set aside, these, let every skillful man among you make all that Yahweh has commanded. So if this isn't just, you know, a bunch of people, let's get together and build something for God. There will be men who will be supernaturally empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit with ability and talents and trades that they may do this work. The tabernacle, its tent and the covering, its hooks and its boards, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, the ark and its poles, its mercy seat, and the curtain of the screen. Okay, that's the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. The lamp stand also, the table and its pole and utensils, the bread for of the presence. Okay, the bread, remember, that shows God's provision. The lampstand also for the light and the utensils and all the lights and the oils of the pub for the light uh, and, and the altar of incense and its poles and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the screen for the doorway and the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of the burnt offerings. And uh, I want to stop for a second. Um, have you guys seen this thing going on in Texas where the fundamentalists, I forgot who they are now what they brought all these women and kids out of this place, and they keep showing this temple and and it's fascinating to me when I see that temple because it is laid out exactly as the tabernacle if you look at it I, and i I just happened to see it the other day they had an aerial view, okay, and there's a border around it with a fence around it and 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 you have separate places for different delineations of people to come. And then you have the, the building. Okay. And it is based on the exact measurements of the tabernacle. Now they've got some odd things in there, but th- that aren't in the tabernacle, but, but it is set up to be a replica of the tabernacle, except that it's a building. But if you look at it, the one news report that i seen showed this aerial view of it. And this is a godforsaken place in Texas. I mean, I, if, I know where this place is, and this is, <laughs> you'd, <laughs> you couldn't find this if you were looking for it. I mean, and then if you woke up there, you'd think, how in the world did I end up here? But anyway, it's, if you look at it though, you see these houses and barns and all this other stuff, and it is desert, okay? Except where their temple is. And all the grass is a bright green, looks like a, a, a golf course grass. And everything else is brown, okay, except for around this, you, you may call it a church building, uh, but it's a replica of this. And I thought about that when I was going through this. I thought, you know what? These people have taken this text and replicated it. Uh, now, now, they've done some odder things, but they basically built this building based on this text, so anyway, the altar of the burnt offerings and the uh, bronze grating and its poles and its utensils and the basins and the stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars, its sockets, the screen on the gate of the, the, the court, uh, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court and their cords, the woven garments of the ministering of the holy place, the holy garments of Aaron, the, the priest, the garments of his sons who are the minister as Okay, now watch what happens. Now this is the people who were scared when Moses returned and um, they understood that what they did was wrong. Then look what he says there. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart stirred in him and everyone whose spirit moved in him came and brought... Yahweh's contributions of the work of the tent of the meeting and for all of its service and for his holy garments. Okay, you know what happens? Moses comes down and says, Here's what we're going to do. You know what they did? You know what their response is? Okay. Okay. Now, I want you to remember when Moses came down the mountain, Okay. Remember, Joshua thought there was a war going on. There was so much hollering and whooping going on. And then he says, but it doesn't sound like victory and it doesn't sound like defeat. And I, I don't know what all of this noise rising up sounds like. And when they get down, you need to understand that the day before Aaron had called together saying, tomorrow we will have a feast and we'll make a burnt offering to the golden calf. And we will eat, and we will have a feast, and we will make merry. And all the implications of that is all the implications of that. They were going to drink. They were going to party their eyes shut to every degree in the name of worship. I'm worshiping the golden calf, the golden calf, right? And Moses came down and he said, Who is with me? And what happened? Levi joined with Moses. And do you remember what happened after that? He said, Tie your sword to your thigh and begin the slaughter. And it says, Three thousand were killed by the tribe of Levi. I think God takes this thing seriously. What do you think? But not only does he do that, the people are freaking out. And it says, Now Moses is back. Whatever you say, Moses. When their hearts were moved, and both the men and the women, they came and they brought brooches and earrings. Did you see what it says? All whose heart was moved. And they brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and bracelets and all the articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to Yahweh. Now understand God has already laid out the law. You will no longer adorn yourselves. And for 40 years, none of Israel put on jewelry. They did any, they did nothing to bring attention to themselves. And they presented this gold to Yahweh, And every man who had a possession of blue and purple and scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, uh, ram skin and dyed red and porpoise skins, they brought them. Everyone who had contributions, who made contributions of silver and bronze brought Yahweh's contribution. And every man who had his possession, acacia wood for any work of service brought it. And the skilled women spun with their hands and they brought what they had spun in the blue and the purple and the scarlet material and in the fine linen. And all the women whose hearts were stirred, they spun the goat hair and rulers brought the onyx stones and the stones for the setting of the ephah for the breast piece and the spice and the oil for the light and the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. Okay, I want you to see that because God withheld his hand of wrath and the people came forward. Israelites, all the men and women whose hearts were moved who moved them to bring material for all the work which Yahweh had commanded and Moses uh, and through Moses to be done brought the free will offering to Yahweh they did it they came forward okay we need to pay attention to this he, he gives these artisans again these skilled traders um, and their teaching of the trade and and they are anointed, they are consecrated. The people who are stepping up, giving, are anointed and consecrated. And Moses said to the sons of Israel, See that Yahweh has called by the name of Bezel, the son of Uriah, and the son of Hur, and the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God. Now he goes into the detail of this this craftsman. The Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all craftsmanship to make the designs for the working of the golden and the silver and of the bronze, the cutting of stones for the settings and the carvings of the wood so that as to be performed in every inventive work. He has also put into the heart, teach both he and Hobile, the son of Hashma the tribe of Dan. And he has filled them with the skill to perform the work of an engraver, of a designer, and of an embroider, in blue and in purple and in scarlet material. Performers of every work, makers of the design. Now these two men, Mazil and Olba, very skillful person in whom Yahweh had put his skill and understanding to know how to perform all the work of the construction of the sanctuary. So what you have is two men, talented men. Don't get me wrong. He has two talented men. And then the Spirit of God overwhelms them with the instruction that they received from Moses and the material they received from the Israelites. They begin the construction the work of the construction of the sanctuary shall be performed in accordance to all that Yahweh has commanded. Okay? I want you to think about that. There's too many times we look at, at, at things. This stuff here, you need to understand. God says, I need you to hold to your mind my presence. That I am here. Jesus left you and I saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And guess what? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the difference in the covenant that I am under and you are under and what these people were under. God has already made a covenant with these people. But you know what he said? I'll wipe these people out and start again with Moses. And Moses understood that he's done that. Why would I think he could? You know, we get into this mundane and we get overwhelmed. And you know, you and I, we forget what he's done. But if you look at the seven churches in Asia Minor, how many times did he say, if you do not change, I will remove your lampstand. You know what's amazing? You can go visit the ruins of them churches. Why? He removed the lampstand. And what's the lampstand? Well, I can tell you this: whatever it, whatever it is, it's gone. I, I, I see churches think that it's about them, and it's not. It's about what God does. It's the same thing you see here with Israel. But I want to show. I want to close with something here. Because And and I'll pick it up next week because they begin to build the tabernacle of God. And we'll look at this next week. Next week, they're they're going to start doing this. But if you look at verses 2 through 7, they received from Moses all the contributions which the sons of Israel had brought. Verse 3. Brought to the, perform the work of the construction of the sanctuary, and they still continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning And all the skillful men who were performing all the work of the sanctuary each from the work that he had performed, and they said to Moses, and the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction works which Yahweh has commanded for us to perform. So Moses issued a command. Now I want to listen to what happens. Moses issues a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, Let neither man nor woman any longer perform work for the contributions of the sanctuary. Thus the people were constrained from bringing any more. For the material that they had was sufficient and more than enough for all the work to be performed." Did you get that? I do not know of a church that has ever had this problem. We've got too much. Stop. But you know what? They understood what the mercy of God was. This is a stubborn, disobedient people at times, right? And yet they rose to the occasion. God has commanded, and they said, "Amen." And they began. They were bringing free will offerings every morning. That's amazing to me. Why? God had stirred in their hearts. He says, "Whichever man or whichever woman is what stirred in their hearts." Okay, how many in the church today realize that maybe they're not in the presence of the Lord? And I can tell you, I would say the vast majority. You know why I say that? Very easy reason. Do you know what a punishment for a Christian is? If you're going to punish a Christian, how do you punish a Christian? Set him outside the church. How many Christians today think that's a punishment? And yet, outside of the church is the punishment. If you go by what John says, that would be in the lap of Satan. <laughs> Pleasant place to think of if you want to really think about it. And for a Christian to be punished, how do you punish a Christian? Set him outside of the church. Okay? These people understood that what they had done that first 40 days and 40 nights was a big uh oh. And they said, you know what? God has had mercy on us and He has given us the proverbial second chance. And then what was their response? The response was they gave so much that Moses had to make a proclamation. Stop it! We don't have no place to put this Okay? I mean, we're not in the promised land. We need to build a wheelbarrow. And I don't want to build a wheelbarrow. But see, they understood what had happened. And you know what I see today in the church? We don't understand what, what can happen. What may happen. So, Paul tells us we have Israel. That's what not to do. But you know what? There are things that Israel did. Now listen, I want you to understand, when it comes to disobedience and when it comes to a stiff neck, stubbornness, it is tough to outdo the Israelites. It is extremely difficult to beat them at their disobedience and stubbornness. Very difficult. And even when they're broken, sometimes they didn't get the message. But most of the times what happens... Read read Haggai. Haggai is a prophet that God raises up five years after Babylonian captivity. Okay, the Babylonian captivity, 70 years of slavery. Please hear what I'm saying. I'm not talking about unwillful employment. I'm talking about slavery. That if they wanted to sell your daughters or your sons or your wife or your husband, you had no recourse but to wave goodbye. And that does not count the Assyrian captivity of the northern ten tribes. And within five years' time, God says, your houses are paneled, your curtains are up, you live in luxury, and my house sits desolate. You know what Israel did? started selling their curtains and paneling so that they could get the temple done. Why? Oh, I don't want to do the Babylonian thing again. All right? But within five years' times, they had gotten back to their complacency. I mean, that's the horror of the book of Judges. They would get themselves into a pickle, usually with the Philistines and get slaughtered and they'd get on their knees and they would weep and say, God help us, God help us. God!" And God would raise up a great leader, a judge, and he would overthrow the Philistines. And then shortly thereafter, every man would do what is right in his own eyes. And they would walk away again. And yet they were a disobedient, stiff-necked people And a consistent basis. And yet here you see in chapter 36. And when it came to let's build the tabernacle so God will come and fellowship with us. Because we've already run him out of this presence of being with us every day. So let's build a tabernacle so he will come and he will fellowship with us. And the people were excited about it. I watched these precious Russian people in uh, the, the area that we are ministering. And they get these little dinky houses, um, probably not much bigger than my office. And if, if you took my office and Stephanie's office and, and cubed it, that's the size of the house. It's a house. I mean, usually the, the toilets are outhouses. Okay? And you would have thought that these people were given the tabernacle or the temple. They're thrilled. God has given us a house of prayer. And, and they pack in. And they just pack, pack in. you never see anything like it. They just... <laughs> Why? Because they're coming together for Yahweh. And they understand that. And they like that. They think that's good. I look at the nation of Israel here in this text. And I say, you know what? There's this Part of me says, you guys are just boneheads. And then the other part of me says, but look how faithful God is when they come back. And I mean, you know, how, how, tell me a pastor who can look at his congregation and say, it's too much. You've given too much. But I can also look at the congregations in America today and say very few people understand that they're probably not in the presence of God. When you look at a punishment for a Christian is to set them outside of the church, and most of the time you don't have to set them outside of the church, they just leave because they're busy. And that's not a punishment. Or you'll hear people using this. I am what is that? church shopping. What the heck is that? I mean, is, do you do that online? I mean, do they have a catalog? Why, why do we hear these words? Because most people are not concerned about the presence of God. Yes, I understand. We are dwelt in the Holy Spirit. He is with us always to the end of the age. But if you want to be in the protection and the blessings of God, where are you doing that? In the body of Christ. I like that. But you see what? It's a standard pattern. The pastor was gone 40 days and 40 nights and the people said, build us a golden calf that will be our God and let it lead us. When I look around today, and what does the, what do people do? Build me something, and it will lead me. okay? And yet God's faithfulness, even to a stubborn, disobedient people, is faithfulness, is faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things that you do on a daily basis. Father, thank you that you protected Israel, a covenant people. And Father, we who are called by your names are a covenant people, and you protect us. And yet, Father, I can be a little stubborn and disobedient, and uh, yet you are faithful. Father, thank you. Thank you for drawing us tonight. Thank you for helping us to see Israel tonight. And Father, help us to understand and to see your hand and how precious we are, how precious your people are. And even in our ugliness, you care for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.